You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. The best part of the hunting season is finally here. We've waited for this all year long. Now let's make it count with some great gear from our partners. First up, Tacticam is our title sponsor, and their point-of-view cameras are my go-to method for filming my hunts. Their new 6.0 camera has added a 1-inch LCD touchscreen that has totally changed the game for me. Its lightweight design, weatherproof housing, and one-touch operation really simplify the self-filming process and make sure that I have high-quality footage to share with my family and friends. My personal favorite for archery season is two 6.0 cameras, one on a stabilizer mount on my bow and one on a bendy clamp mount for an over-the-shoulder angle. And I pair this with a Tacticam remote so I can turn both cameras on with the push of a single button. To learn more or pick up your 6.0 today, head over to Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. Now as the temps begin to drop, I know I'll be hunting in comfort with my Huntworth camo. Huntworth is making high-quality, technical hunting clothing at a fraction of the price of other brands. This time of year, I'm making sure to layer smart. I start with a set of base layers, either the Casper or the Bangor, which I have found to be very comfortable and moisture-wicking. Next, I'll have on either my Elkins midweight top and bottom or my Saskatoon heavyweight top and bottom. Either way, I'm also going to be bringing my Saskatoon vest. And because the hunting often gets better when the weather turns nasty this time of year, the Winstead rain suit lives in my hickory pack all the time. And I can honestly say that this is the best rain suit that I have ever used. You can learn more or grab your Huntworth gear today at HuntworthGear.com. And finally, the Onyx Hunt app is an absolutely indispensable tool for me this time of year. If I'm not in the action, I'm going to be making a move to go find it. And the Onyx Hunt app helps me identify those terrain features that I want to key in on with their latest aerial imagery additions. The app now has fully functional 3D on both iOS and Android, low-resolution satellite images updated every two weeks with historic lookback, and leaf-off imagery, all in addition to the base maps that you've always had in the app. Get more out of your maps this season and know where you stand with the Onyx Hunt app. Now let's get into this week's show. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast. Pierce, this is the sickly edition, uh, (laughs) which is, you know, which is also brought to you by Tacticam. Uh, yep. you know what? They don't, they don't hate on us, even though we're sick. Uh, Pierce, dude, we're both in rough shape this morning. I don't know what I have, but here's what's going on. Uh, got a deep cough in my chest. I've got not a bad sore throat, but it doesn't feel real great. Super congested, like up in here. And, uh, all in all, my voice just is garbage right now. Like it is not in good shape. I've got like, uh, five podcasts to record today so that's not good um so anyway that's where i'm at what are you dealing with oh man well last let's see here so we're recording this on what wednesday so on sunday uh girlfriend was a little under the weather took a test came back a little positive for covid a little positive it came back a little just a little little positive (laughs) a little bit positive she kind of had it she kind of had it exactly and so we lived together and so i was like well odds are pretty good that i'm gonna end up with that too and so i'm i'm like two days behind her now uh dealing with it which i'm i'm hoping today is going to be the worst day but same kind of stuff man like just kind of a sore throat it's the congestion more than anything though right so as i'm sure everyone can hear right now this will be a, a fun one to listen to yeah dude i'm <laughs> sure there's gonna be a lot of like awkward pauses where we just like cut the mic just cut the mic all of a sudden, you know, because one of us is having a terrible coughing fit. So uh, we'll try to be mindful of that and not like blow our nose into the microphone 
uh, like we were doing before we got on air. Right. <laughs> but, dude, we, we look like a couple of old men. We've got, like, our uh, – we've got some uh, – Our handkerchiefs. Our, some handkerchiefs, right? Handkerchiefs. Uh, <laughs> and then we've got some uh, coffee flowing, obviously. Uh, I've got the Halls cough and throat relief sitting next to me. And, dude, I got this. All right. If you don't like to be congested, there's a spray called Mucinex Sinus Max. Clear and cool. And, dude, you blow that thing up your tutor, and it is it is real good. And by, oh, tutor, I mean, uh, by tutor, I mean your nose. Like, yeah. you don't want to uh, – that's a – that's a reference for folks with a question. Read the directions on the bottle. Yeah, read the read the okay, directions. Don't take it from Josh. Yeah, don't don't <laughs> don't listen to what I've got going on. But spray this stuff up there, man. You can breathe free and clear. <sighs> Feels good. Um, oh, I'm jealous. The only bad part about this, though, is it does cause a little bit of dependence, and so there's like rebound congestion. So like you'll use it for a couple mm-hmm. days. And then afterwards, it's like, no, no, you still need me. Your body needs me at this point. And you have to, like, wean yourself off of it. Um, yeah. Which, I was diagnosed with sleep apnea, like, uh, three years ago or something like that. Like, really bad sleep apnea. Like, choking mm-hmm. in my sleep kind of stuff. Not good, right? Don't want to die early. So, I get a machine. Um, it starts creating some congestion because it's, like, forcing air up your nose all night. I start using this stuff and a couple of others. And pretty quick, I realized I'm like, man, I'm like, my body's addicted to this stuff. Like, I'm not addicted like I want to do it, but I'm addicted to it in the sense of like, I have to have this or I can't breathe through my nose, you know, without it. And so I had to wean myself off. So when I got sick this time, I was like, do I want to break it back out? Because, (laughs) man, if you if you've ever been like hooked on nasal spray, it's weird. It's it's really weird. It's like your nose in the middle of the day will just close down shop. And it's like, nope, we're done. You've got you've got really? no, no no nasal passages anymore. We're totally inflamed. You get nothing. You can't breathe. And then, yeah. So there we go, uh, guys and gals. <laughs> if you're listening to this and you can hear some strange noises coming from my direction, I've got the carpet cleaner is also at my house this morning, and he is currently working on the couch directly above my head. Um, <laughs> yeah, working on on some upholstery there. We're just firing on all cylinders today. (laughs) There's one of those mic breaks. Uh, Yeah, man, this is like the, this is going to be the worst episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman podcast (laughs) that you have ever heard, ladies and gentlemen. Um, But Pierce, man, I'm glad to be back, man. I did not get to listen or I did not get to join you for the last two episodes. Two, yep, yep. So first of all, folks, if you didn't listen to the episode that Pierce did with Jacob Sklinner, I got to listen to that on my way down to a consult in South Georgia. And holy smokes, it was a fantastic episode. That was a really good one. So that was, by the time this launches, it'll be two weeks ago, right? Two weeks after. Yeah, two weeks after the fact. So go back and listen to that one. Yeah, a rut to remember with Jacob Sklenner. Right, and it was really good. Man, dude's killing some deer. I just saw, is he on, I think he was on like East Meat. East meets West with Bo Martonic too. Yeah, I saw that like, yesterday. The frigging guy is just skyrocketing right now. Yep. And well, he's been all over Latitudes podcast and stuff too. Yeah. Doing session and one with Jake. Well, I know he hunted with Jake Bush back in uh, uh, November there. He did. Or and, end of October, early November. But yeah. And if he, Jake Bush says somebody's a good hunter, like, come on. Like, like, like if Jake's got respect for a guy, like you can, you can trust that the dude knows what he's doing. But right. Um, so, yeah, great episode. Uh, guy lives right here in Wisconsin. He's killing some really big deer, having a lot of good luck. He's got a lot of good stuff that I feel like we can learn from, just practical tidbits all mm-hmm. scattered through that episode. And then you launched another episode, Pierce, uh, here yes, recently, sir. where we talked a little bit about fishing. And yep. I won't maybe talk too much about any feedback or anything, but I do just want to say briefly, it made me think we should talk about some controversial topics. Yeah. We should talk about a few things that, um, you know, folks wonder about, especially when it comes to whitetail hunting. There are a lot of things out there these days where people draw pretty firm lines. 
I feel like, in the hunting space. Lines for them, lines for their buddies. Uh, usually they're lines on social media, actually. <laughs> if we're just being honest, the lines exist on social media and um, seldom extend into the real world where, you know, life happens and we actually interact with other human beings face-to-face. Um, but, boy, we like to hold those lines on social media and on reels and when we comment on stuff and, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. So, uh, Pierce, what, what, what you kind of agreed with me. So what got you thinking this direction? Like, yeah, we need to, we need to talk about a few of these, uh, a few of these topics. Well, I mean, I think, like you said, it's, uh, there, it seems over the past couple of years, there's been a lot of lines drawn, not to mention the progression of which technology has accelerated or the, the rate at which technology has accelerated and the amount of gadgets and, uh, you know, just new tech that's entering the hunting space. Right. Um, you know, it, it, I mean, I'll, I'll just go out and say it here. Like, like after our, our episode, uh, last week, we had some feedback on some of the ethics of fishing around or, you know, at, or you know, really anything, uh, spawning fish while they're trying to reproduce and all that stuff. So it got us thinking about, well, you know, it, it's a hot topic for sure. Uh, at the same time, you know, Eric said it like they're, they're fish that are reproducing through stocking, you know, occasionally you'll get some wild fish, but for the most part, you're getting stocked fish. DNR goes out, they stock those fish every year. So is fishing for them on their reds or near their reds or just while they're making their spawning run ethical or really harming the population? Mm, tough to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. Obviously, there's a lot of guys down there, and I'm. I'll preface it this way: I am not nearly as well versed in the salmon steelhead game. I'm a trout guy. I'm a a driftless region, you know, and you know, I guess yeah, driftless region, you know, trout and smallmouth, and you know, occasionally some carp if I get bored. Uh, that that's kind of my game here. Um, over on the Great Lakes, people got some strong opinions. We got to chatting about it and over on the whitetail or in the whitetail world, people definitely got some strong opinions as we just got to thinking about, you know right. what, let's, let's discuss some of these a little bit further. Yeah, I like it, man. And, you know, I, I do just want to throw this out there for anybody listening. That's like, ah, they're doing it wrong. Um, when it, I haven't listened to the previous episode, it just launched yesterday, right? Um, but we've already gotten feedback on it and it's surprising to me as someone originally from the South who has moved to the North because in like every other species of fish, like spawning, catching spawning fish is like a big part of the strategy or like we, or like we have strategies for catching spawning fish, bass, brim saltwater species that migrate and move like that plays into the thought process of like, here's how you can catch them when they're on their beds, you know, kind of thing. Um, so yeah, now I will say there's the other question of, and this happens with bass fishing too. If you keep, if you keep track of it, there is an issue of snagging fish that are on their beds. That is another thing especially if it's catch and release. I feel like, I mean, I'll be honest with you. If you're going to be, if you're going to be eating the fish, I really don't care how you get it in your boat or like in your bag. Like if it's for food, if you have a four fish limit, if you've got a four fish limit, let's say, or a six fish limit, I don't care how you get your four or six fish. Um, it really doesn't matter. You're allowed those four or six. Who's to say where those lines are drawn as to what is sportsmanlike or not? Same thing with waterfowl hunting. Same thing with pheasant hunting. Same thing with, you know, deer hunting. There are all these lines that are drawn. It's like, well, this is the ethical way of killing one. Right. It's like, really? Because if we care about the most ethical way to kill something... We shouldn't be talking about 
the most sportsmanlike way of killing one, so the most difficult. We should be talking about the easiest and fastest way to kill something. That's what ethical means, right, when it comes to the taking of another life. The fastest, most expedient way that we can do it. And, man, with a deer, that is 100% with a rifle every single time. Right. It is not with a bow. Unless you're me this year. Unless you're Pierce, so we can get into some of that. <laughs> Unless you're Pierce just out there wounding every... No, I'm kidding. You're not out there wounding things. But, but we're, and we, finding. And finding, right. And finding. But we'll, we'll talk about that. But, like, mm. you know... We don't need to. Oh, we don't... All right. We don't need to discuss that. We don't need to come and talk about that one. But, like, dude, I'm thinking about a duck, you know, waterfowl yeah. hunting. And it comes in and lands in my decoys. At that point, my calling, my decoy setup, everything has worked. I've fooled the bird. Yep. If I shoot said bird on the water, well, now you're water swatting. That's not sportsmanlike. It's like, no, but it's way more ethical than shooting one that goes by and winging him. Yep. You know, rather than him flying off with three pellets in him and it didn't kill him. Um, you know, I, I'll never forget. I was, I was pheasant hunting with a guy. Pheasant jumps up right in front of me. I mean, like four feet from me. And, dude, I leveled and boom. I mean, I shot this thing. Like, my shotgun, I probably could have hit it with my shotgun, right, instead of <laughs> shooting it. And, dude, immediately was, like, coming down on me. Like, that's not sportsmanlike. You got to let him get out there a little bit. Like, that was just too easy, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, who the heck cares how close it – like, are we are, – is our primary concern sportsmanlike? Or is our primary concern ethical? Because right. I just, like that pheasant, when we put it in the, in the bag, it didn't have a head anymore. It was right. gone, you know? So what was more ethical? Oh, let me let, right. me let me let him get out there 25 yards so, you know, I'm less likely to make the shot. Like, that's a stupid thing to say. Right. You know, but anyway. Well, I, I heard it uh, in pheasant hunting at least, you know, kick him up and then let him get out there just so you, when you shoot him, you're not – doing so much meat damage right that's and what i get I've heard. that i haven't heard it from a, that's not a sporting thing to do oh yeah they came down on me hard because it wasn't sportsmanlike. it was too close interesting yeah yeah so that was a weird yeah that was a weird take so but we've got those things in every realm dude we've got them in fishing we've got them in duck hunting we've got them in pheasant hunting and other upland birds we've got them when it comes to deer hunting and uh, I, I want to talk about a couple of those topics today and maybe our thoughts on it. And then really, I think what it comes down to, you know, what, what's the core of the argument here and maybe what's the number one thing that should be informing how we do things. Um, the first one I want to talk about, dude, is, is crossbow, like crossbow hunting. Um, a lot of folks out there coming down on it. Uh, one gentleman that I heard on uh, a recent podcast uh well he wasn't on a podcast i don't listen to the podcast anymore because it's too asinine um but a a gentleman who's out there who is well known in the space equated crossbow hunters with transvestites is that what he was getting trans at? athletes yeah. trans athletes that's right so trans athletes if you hunt with a crossbow you were like a man dressing up as a woman to compete with women. Uh, what a I think a lot of people have seen that clip. <laughs> what a, oh, yeah, a lot of people have. And a lot of people know what podcast I'm talking about, which is why yeah. I want to say that it's asinine. Because they create things like that for the click and for the like and for the, the flare-up. And uh, it bothers me a lot. Because they, they let and then bait people into saying really stupid things a lot like really often and uh boy i'm sick so i'm feeling extra grumpy today right <laughs> and so like man what a what a what a dumb thing to say like crossbow hunting equates to this absolutely massive benefit over everyone else and beyond everyone else right. so here's my question um the big fear out there is that, well, crossbow hunters are going to be less ethical. Like that's the, 
that's really what it is. Everybody, you know, you see a, a deer that was wounded during archery season. What's everybody's assumption? Somebody shot it with a crossbow. You know, that's, that's the assumption right. out there. You see it, you see it limping around. You think, oh, archery hunters, true archery hunter, hunters, vertical bow hunters, they're out there with, you know, precision. And it's like, dude, you ever shot a crossbow? It's, it's not hard. Right. But mistakes happen. Right. That's, right? that's like literally what I was thinking there when you were asking that, that question of like, when you see a deer that's wounded or has an arrow hanging out of it or whatever it may be, like my first thought is not crossbow. My first thought is somebody just made a bad shot. Right. You know, it, it was likely an archery hunter making a poor shot. Yeah. Cause you, you think about the number of variables that go into shooting a compound bow, which is, you know, designed to make things easier for the shooter from the standpoint of, you know, timing everything up and you, you've got a $300 sight on this thing that's, right. you know, dialed into the, you know, the half yard and whatnot. You can still, you know, if you're not anchored properly, if you're pressing your nose into the string, if you're doing something stupid, you, you can screw up so many different ways. As, as most people know with a crossbow, you just shoulder the dang thing and, let drive i mean it's not right. there there's no you don't have to worry about what your grip was doing did you twist the bow at all or did you you know did you forget to level like i mean it i've never shot a crossbow so i don't know exactly i'm sure there's ways you can screw that up but also like it takes a lot of guesswork out of archery right right and i'll say something i've never said on this show before i have killed several deer with a crossbow i don't know Whoa. if anybody knows that I don't know if anybody knows that. Besides I didn't me. even know that. Yeah, man, I've killed several deer with a crossbow. Um, I've never shot a buck with a crossbow. I've only shot does with a crossbow. Um, there was a period of time where we have on my private family farm, um, we've got blinds that we hunt out of quite a bit, right? Mm -hmm. And they're comfortable, and you know we like to have them for concealment, and we've got a small parcel, so it's really important that we keep the pressure down. And so for bow season, you know, we're not trying, I mean, man, you put so much more pressure on a spot with a bow than you do with a gun because with right. a gun, you sit back 200 yards and you watch with a bow, you get like all up in their business and the odds of you spooking one are really high and that changes things. Right. But with a crossbow, what it allowed me to do was get into one of these blinds with horizontal windows made for a rifle and hunt out of that blind, you know, with essentially a a rifle bow uh, or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And it was an older one. My effective range was like 30, 30 yards. I would not take a shot over that because the kinetic energy wasn't there. It's not one of these new, you know, new ones that's advertising, uh, you know, Hey, you can hit it, hit a target at a hundred yards. You know, it's like, the, right. well, that, that's a stupid marketing campaign anyway. Um, you know, you can use anything unethically there are a lot of guys out there shooting their bow out to 100 120 uh, yeah. should they be taking shots at an animal out at that distance no absolutely not but yeah i've done it man and i've made good shots with a crossbow i've made bad shots with a crossbow just like i have with my vertical bow and um yeah i i don't think that it is fair to hold everyone to the same kind of standard when it comes to a thing like archery hunting. Yeah. Um, I should not be able to tell you, let's say, let's say you're a guy with four kids, Pierce, you got a 60 hour a week job. You're just trying to make ends meet. And what I'm saying is you can only hunt with a vertical bow. And if you can't make time to get good with your vertical bow, you should not get out there with a crossbow. You should either make the time or not go hunting. Like that, that's really what we're saying when we say things like crossbows shouldn't be allowed during bow season. Right. It, uh, I don't want to be the one to make that call, man. What about you? What do you, what do you, what are you thinking Pierce? It'd be awesome if you disagreed with me, but if you agree with me, then. I think I disagree with you, man. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. I really do. Let's do it. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I think there's a time and a place for crossbows. Okay. I think if, if you're a guy who just had, you know, shoulder reconstruction or you had, you know, some injury that's making it difficult for you to shoot your bow. Right. 
yeah, like go ahead. Um, I think if you're a, a healthy, able-bodied individual who can bow hunt with, you know, a vertical bow, I think you, I, I don't know, man. I think you got to put in the time. Right. Okay. I think that's part. Right. Of, I think that's because I mean, think about how much you and I talk about, you know, yeah, you know, got the bow out, you know, in July, been shooting really well this season, all that stuff. Um, no, I get we're in a different situation than than a lot of other people. Right. Um, you know, than the 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 guy with four kids working sixty hours a week. You know, what are the odds that that person's a gun hunter though? Yeah. You know, how, how much if they're working sixty hours a week? How often are they really getting out to bow hunt? Right. Like, are they? I don't know. I, I try to be a. Uh, I'm trying to be understanding of everyone's situation here, but at the same right. time, I think that from the archery season standpoint, if you're an able-bodied individual, yeah, who, because I mean, you and I even, it's, I don't know. We even talked about how this year, both of us shot our bows less and we're actually shooting pretty good. Yeah. And at least on the range. It, and then right, I, on the range, right? Yeah, on the range, I was shooting better. Now I'm like, crap, maybe I should have shot more. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know, man. Like all the stuff we're going to talk about today, there's no right or wrong answer. Right. That's what my gut tells me is right. if you have the ability to shoot upright, shoot upright. Right. Right. If you're, if you got shoulder issues, if you got a problem with, you know, whatever that makes it difficult to actually bow hunt then I don't, I don't want to say actually bow hunt, vertically bow hunt, you know, then yeah, that's tough. But the fact that we're getting these bows or crossbows that, like you said, you can shoot out to a hundred yards. I'm granted, yeah, there's bows that you can shoot out to a hundred yards, but guess what? If you're going to shoot a hundred yards with a vertical bow, you better be practicing, right? Oh yeah, for sure. You're going with a crossbow, you better have a good rest. Yeah. Like, well, I don't know, man. I, I think it's a little bit of both, too. I think there is an element where you better be practicing because the scopes that are on those things, they're not like a, they're not like even a, a baseline rifle scope. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're not, they don't have magnification oftentimes that you can like zoom in. They're not three to nine power, you know, that you can kind of dial in. So here's my follow up, Pierce. And I'm glad that we disagree on this. I'm, I, I really am. Here's my follow up. Where's that line? So if you can, okay, so we, you got to be able to shoot a bow, a vertical bow. All right. What about the person that can only shoot a 42 pound bow instead of a 45 where the legal cutoff is better yet, better yet, who gets to decide that wheelie bows are legal? Why don't, why don't, why shouldn't we all have to put in the time to really learn archery? And go with a longbow. Right? Or or better yet, why not have to actually put in the time and do like some states like Pennsylvania will allow and hunt with an atlatl? That really requires practice and dedication. Right. You know, it's a friggin' spear thrown out of a <laughs> little launcher. <laughs> you know, so and I and I'm I don't ask those things flippantly. I ask them to bring it up. And this is this is I think we're going to talk about it more. We disagree on this topic. We're going to probably agree on some others. Um, who gets to draw the line? That to me is the big question. Who gets to say it? You know, because if you if you ask a trad bow hunter, boy, he's he's not happy we're out there flinging arrows at thirty yards. Right. His effective range is under twenty, right. maybe fifteen. Who gets to say? I don't know, man. Unless you're our old pal Jim who smoked a, what do you say it was? He smoked a dough at like 47. Yeah, friggin' Jim, dude. That guy. (laughs) That guy. He never shot a compound, did he? He tried it and he didn't like it. Yeah, that's right. He said it was too mechanical. He couldn't get a feel for it. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Because he was like, he was like my old, you know, my long, what was it, longbow or recurve? Yeah, his longbow. Okay. My longbow is like an extension of my body. I remember him saying that. It's like part yeah. of my body. But with this thing, it was just like a machine. I'm like, dang. Right. I'd love to be at that point, dude. How cool would that right. be? Um, 
I think I think a, a recurve or a longbow is probably in my future. Not necessarily to hunt with, but to learn the art. Yeah. I've been thinking the same thing. Yeah. I had a buddy that I hunted with. We went on a little rutcation together down in Louisiana. And uh he'd been hunting with this recurve and he took it with us on his rutcation. He had a daggum Hoyt uh compound bow, brand new decked out beautiful bow and he brought he had it with him in the truck but he was only hunting with his recurve and he shot over the back of like three different bucks and i was like yeah and i was like dude you gotta and like he'd shot some good bucks with a rifle but never shot a good one with his bow before and i'm like Mm -hmm. dude break out the hoyt man (laughs) like grab the hoyt and he's like no I'm, i'm after him with a recurve so, well, and there's something to be said for that too, man. I mean, there is something to be said for. All right, let's let's talk about you know things being sporting again, right? He's a longbow. I, I guess <clears throat> lethal is the wrong word, but is a longbow as lethal as a crossbow? A lot of folks would argue no. Yeah, I, obviously it depends how much you shoot it, how familiar you are with it, how seasoned you are with it. If you remove the human component, yep, no way. You right. know what I mean? Like if you take out the human component from the from the picture, a longbow versus a crossbow produces less energy and therefore less lethality. Just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is brought to you by Tacticam makers of the best point-of-view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that is a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions, You know just how frustrating it can be to try to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of mounts and adapters. This fall, I'm going to be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with the 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com and share your hunt with Tacticam. Okay, but let's put it this way from the standpoint of something being sporting. Right. Giving the animal the best chance of survival. A lot of folks would say a longbow is a lot more difficult to kill a deer with than a crossbow where you can reach out 40, 50 yards rather than having to be right off the trail, have that deer right in your lap to be able to let that arrow fly. And for a lot of folks, make an ethical shot. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Well, and even so, then, though, that's where we get into the dilemma of, you know, with crossbows or with uh, vertical, bo- you know, uh, compound bows and yeah. long bows or recurves. Like, which one's more sporting? Right. Yeah. I mean, the range is definitely different. The energy created is definitely different. The, the, the mechanics of what you can use on the tip of a arrow launched at 325 feet per second are simply different than what you can do when you launch an arrow at 195 feet per second. Right. right. And by the way, okay, remember this past summer, we talked to the guy, I think it was this summer, we talked to the guy about arrows, right? Yep. And he mentioned that number, and I think that number was 280 feet per second, which is yep. like where he's trying to get all of his arrows because that's where you're going to have the best performance. And we were both like, I've never heard anybody say that before. Mm-hmm. I got on the phone with another fellow here who's uh, here down south. He's in Alabama who's kind of famous for, for making arrows for some pretty big names, like one with the last name DeQuisto. Okay. So he's building arrows for these guys. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he's also building arrows for the guy that owns Osseo gear camo. Uh, he's, so he's building arrows for some big name guys. Right. Um, so I know him, got to know him, got to talking to him. He's going to build me some arrows and guess what he happens to bring up. The sweet spot is 280 feet per second. That's where you really? want to be. Yes. Yes. So as it was interesting to me. So anyway, I just brought that up uh, because if I don't, I'll forget to tell you. 
Uh, right. Because I've been forgetting for like a month and a half at this point. So we're going to need to talk about that afterwards. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Cause that, those are the only two people that I've ever heard say that before. Right. And they both are putting out some really good stuff. So definitely anyway, back to the ethics of, of it all. Um, we talk a lot about the question of ethics and the question of sportsmanship. Which of those two needs to be higher on the value uh, list, I guess you could say. I feel like immediately people are going to say ethics, right? Well, how much of sportsmanship is factoring in ethics? I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like, I feel like you've obviously you first need to define what each of those is. Right. Or you can start separating the two because each one i don't think you can really have one without the other right you know each one is dictated by the other right, right. so well and, and i so i asked the question not necessarily to get the answer to that question but to point out that fact right there we don't have the definitions you know so when we have right. these arguments uh about a crossbow versus a vertical bow we don't even we're we're not even agreed on terms here right you know, we, we don't even use ethics the same way uh, cause one guy may be thinking of ethics as what's mostly like what, what is most likely to kill this animal super quick. Uh, right. and in that case it would be a well-placed 30 six round right through the heart. Right. You know, so bows don't even get into the conversation. We got to do this in the most ethical way possible. It's like, well, if a quick kill is it, then you better put up the bows period. Right. Uh, cause there's but, no question. But at the same time. How many deer have you shot with a bow that have died in 10 seconds? Quite a few. Right. So. So here's the question. Is that too. What amount of time is acceptable? Ooh. Does that make sense? Like. Yeah. Dude, like there's so many variables to that because. <laughs> well, think about. Think about the fact that, okay, let's say you get spotted. This deer is on edge and you got a, just a super cagey deer. You shoot an expandable, which you and I have touched on a little bit, how we think that fixed over expandable fixed. If you've got a really well honed, sharp fixed blade, that's got the right, you know, your arrows built well, and that thing's going to hit hard and it's going to zip right through that animal. And it may not even know what happened to it. Right. Whereas the expandable is going to hit the energy of that is going to basically smack the deer and then that broadhead is going to, you know, deploy and then go through everything. Right. Depending on, on the brand, obviously. I mean, you know, I, I think if you're, there's so many variables, you know what I mean? If it's yeah. a, you know, this deer is head down, has zero clue that you're there and you send an arrow scooting through them at, you know, 18 yards and this thing takes off, keels over in 15 seconds or so. Great. Well done. Okay. What if you got the same exact arrow set up? The steer's on edge and maybe it winded you. Maybe it just knows that something's not right. Maybe it saw you move or reach for your bow and it knows you're there, but it's not quite sure what you're like, what exactly you are. You get a draw on it, shoot it at 18 yards. And that thing goes on a, 200 yard tear right and doesn't die for five six minutes ten minutes right right yeah. so yeah where does that you gotta, fall? You gotta factor in your own situation of like okay for this to be the most ethical kill your stealth really has to come into play then and right. you've really gotta like you gotta make sure that deer doesn't know that you're there yeah which again okay and as i say that What's going to give you the best odds of not letting that deer know that you're there? Probably being 200 yards off the, off the food plot yeah. or 50 yards way back off, off the track. Or maybe. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, man. And, and this is highlighting though, what, what I really wanted the conversation to highlight. And I, I think what we both wanted that conversation to highlight is that the water is muddy. You know, mm-hmm. the conversation is gray. The, the answers are not, so easy and black and white as we put them on Instagram. When we say things like crossbow hunters are like trans athletes. What a 
stupid comment, right? It it gives no nuance to the conversation whatsoever. Right. Um, yeah, I can't wait to hear the the response to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to hear what people have to say. But anyway, those are thoughts on uh, on crossbows, and uh, you know, you think, hey, if you can use a cross or use a vertical bow, I think. I think every time I see a guy with a crossbow, I'm going to be disappointed. But, <laughs> but I think he should be able to use them. Does that make sense? Right. Like I'm not. Well, I'm not saying that they shouldn't use one. Or that they right. shouldn't be allowed to use one. Right. It's more just. Uh, I don't know. It, it's similar to everything else in in hunting, right? It's use your own best judgment. Use your own discretion. Yeah, man. I, I like stuff. that. So I, I think we're closer than I think we're closer than we than we thought then. I don't right. think we I don't think we necessarily disagree. I think if there's the guy like I talked about who just doesn't have the time and he's going to set aside one week, November 2nd to November 9th and he's going to hunt. And he just he works 60 hours a week. He's got four small kids. Like, yeah, man, shoot shoot a crossbow. Like, I'm all for it. I'm all for your right and ability to do that. Um but if that person if I've taken him under my wing, and if I am, you know, mentoring him as a hunter, I'm probably going to say how you want to start is with a bow, with a vertical bow. And okay. I've done that with a lot of guys. Like a lot of folks have said, hey, I want to get want to get into bow hunting. Should I start with a crossbow or, you know, a, a compound? And I point them to the compound every single time. Why? Because I think they're going to like it more. I think yeah. they're going to I think they're going to love it more. I do think there's more of a process. Yeah, there's more of a process, which I think you become a better hunter because of the process, not because of the weapon you choose, right? right? But because of the process that the the weapon puts you through. The weapon itself is formative, right? Like the weapon itself does something to you, just like the guy that chooses to use a a com or a um a recurve or a longbow. Yep. The weapon right. itself is formative. It puts you through a different process than a crossbow or than a wheelie bow or you know whatever you want to call it (laughs) and i call it a wheelie bow uh to intentionally be denigrating towards bow hunters like myself who only use a bow with training wheels let's say um and i say that because we often speak of crossbow hunters you know in kind of the same way cross you know rifle bow Oh gosh, there was a sneeze. Boy, I'm glad I muted that one. <laughs> I was like, should I jump in and like, no. like take no. a quick pause for a sneeze break? Yeah. <laughs> we'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen, after this sneeze break. <laughs> Brought to you by Tacticam, of course. <laughs> the Tacticam now it's time for the Tacticam sneeze break. <laughs> we should we should have that and we should just have like 4K Tacticam 6.0 slow motion footage of us sneezing and like the particles just erupting from our faces as we, as we do it, like backlit, you know, just send it to them and just be like, we put out some content for you. Here you go. Feel free to do what you want with this. That's right. We thought this would be a great ad campaign for you guys. Uh, you know, we, we love your products. We thought this would really highlight what they're capable of. Uh, we could take some videos in low light, be like, look how good this 6.0 performs in low light conditions and have right. just like you all can, the spit bubbles just blowing out of our mouths. You mouth can see the particles yeah. even at first that's, light. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It literally just turned legal light and look how you can see all the snot flying out of my nose. <laughs> man, oh man. All right. This is getting a little out of control. A little out of control. Let's, uh, you know, let's speaking of first light, I got to give another shout out to first light USA, man. Cause that, that oh, little T-Max pro I've talked yes. about that thing. I a, saw, a couple of times. I saw the picture the other day. It's a sick light. I don't have Dude, one. It's a sick little light. I, I gotta, I gotta talk to those guys and see if I can get you one. Cause that thing, I use it so freaking much. I mean, we use it for letting the dog out at night. Like we just have it sitting on the, on the counter right. next to the door. And so like we, we use it on a daily basis, but for hunting, especially dude, having like the controllable, like light levels, like you basically like a dimmer on it. There's three levels. Right. Not to mention you've got like the red light led. And then there's like green blue. There's like a emergency light. If you hold down like two of the buttons, it'll just like strobe and like flash a bunch of different lights. So if you're like, you know, 
in a remote location, you get hurt, you go down and like a helicopter is looking for you. You just shine that thing up and nice. makes it easy for people to find you. Like it literally looks like there's like a squad car, like where you're at. It's wild. That's awesome. But that little thing saved my butt tracking that dough. Dude, I, w- I want to get one. And here's, here's the reason or one, one big reason I've always used a headlamp. And like we've talked yep. about before, I go in and it's like a disco man. Cause I'm looking <laughs> all over the place and, I feel mm-hmm. like it would be less like that if I had the, you know, a, a, a one of those little lights. Right. But dude, this past week I was on a property consulting and I was on this property for six days, big property, thousand acres. Yeah. Right. Huge alligators on the property too, by the way, not cool. Um, alligators, snakes, it was 80 degrees in South Georgia. Uh, yeah. so just not you cool. Seen gators? Uh, no, no. I saw a gator leave. I did not see oh. its body. I saw the big swirl of water and him take off and the landowner say, there's a gator in that pond. That's what you just saw. So, uh, yeah. But uh, there are definitely gators there. And, yeah, it's, it's it was wild. But I used a chest rig for the first time. Like an actual chest pack thing. And yeah. in that chest pack, I had my rangefinder on the side. I had my vortex binos in the front. And then I had my pistol tucked down inside <laughs> behind the vortex binos. Um, sure. Because I had, at another point, I rode up on a whole cluster of hogs. Um, and I got within like six feet of the baby hogs. And I was like, this isn't cool. Like, this is no not good. Yeah, I don't want mommy coming <laughs> after me here. You know, what's about to happen. So from then on, I had the pistol tucked down in the chest rig. And I was thinking, how cool would it be, you know, as I'm going in at first light or coming out at, at last light to have one of those little lights on a molly strap or, you know, yep. on the molly on the very front of a chest rig when you're yep. walking in. I was like, because I'm already, I'm thinking now, I'm like, okay, I need to upgrade the chest rig. I just got the Vortex chest rig that comes with the binos. Yeah. It yeah. works. It's a little on the cheaper end of things. Like, it doesn't have a lot of features to it. So I'm like, okay, nicer chest rig is what I need. Um, And that's when I started thinking about the light. And I was like, oh, man, I need I need one of those. And then I saw your picture yeah. on Instagram of, of the light, right, which looks fantastic. So, uh, and it's first light, L-I-G-H-T, yeah. not L-I-T-E. So in case anybody's wondering, like, I didn't know Meat Eater was making lights. They're not. Go to, no. go to First Light. Light First is Light spelled, USA. First is Light their, USA spelled correctly, L-I-G-H-T. So, yep. Anyway. All right, dude, let's talk about, uh, let's, let's talk cell cams real quick. Um, did you see Kentucky may be banning cellular trail cameras on public ground? I did see that. I did. I didn't read about it. I don't know what the specifics are. I just saw it put out there. And I saw mm-hmm. there's a podcast with my buddy Reese, uh, who lives in Kentucky. Um, I've had him on the show before. I think I had him on the How to Hunt Deer podcast. Yep. Um, big cell cam guy. Big big trail camera guy. He's got hundreds of trail cameras. Um, you know, it's really critical for his strategy. Kansas has already outlawed him on public ground. We've seen a lot of Western states outlaw them on public ground. Right. Um, in Wisconsin this year, I saw more cell cameras than I've ever seen before in my life. Yep. My picture has been beamed to people all across Southern Wisconsin at this point. Right. <laughs> like they, like they are, you know, at one point, you know, those moments in the woods where you're like walking along, you're like, Oh, I gotta go to the bathroom right now. You know? I had yeah, to delay dude, you look around like dude, crazy now. Yeah. I had to delay the dropping of trowel, uh, to be able to figure out, okay, is there a cell cam somewhere looking at me? Because by the time, <laughs> by the time you see it, your picture's sent. Yep. So like, I don't need that ending up on Instagram. Right. And people being like, this dude's brought to you by Tacticam, you know, making jokes <laughs> about it. So anyway, what are your thoughts, man? Uh, I honestly don't know how I feel, but I will say I used them on, on public land this year. You put them out there for me. So it's your fault. Um, (laughs) but like I felt a little yucky 
about seeing all the cell cameras. And it yeah. made me feel a little yucky about my own. Yeah. Man. I think there's a lot of good that can come from cell cams. I agree. Right. I think you can gain a ton of Intel. Right. I think you can learn a lot. I think, especially if you're somebody like you who hunts out of state, right. Doesn't have time to run up there and, you know, drive 15 hours and pull SD cards and, drive back home. I think there's absolutely something to be said for like being pro cell cam. I like you found myself looking over my shoulder like crazy when I was on public land this year, peeing and scrapes. And then when you look over your shoulder, like, guess uh, what? You found cell cams, <laughs> you yep. know, like they were there. Yep. Exactly. One, luckily one was not, directly on the scrape at least i hope it wasn't <laughs> uh but there was one very close to it um man i think i think the absolute banning of cell cams is going to be tough right but also they haven't been around that long right right like there's there it's they're a new enough product that it's I think we're not beyond pulling the plug on them entirely. Yeah. I think what may happen or what maybe needs to happen. I don't know. Cause there, there is part of it where it's like, I mean, we were recording an episode of Sam Billhorn and I got a picture of my target buck. Right. Right. Yeah. And I yeah. was, you know, I it's on a five acre parcel, something that gets pressured really easily, you know, your pickup on it super quickly. Um, you know, I, I stayed out of there and just leaned on my cell cams and I didn't go in there to pull an SD card and go in there and move the camera. I didn't do anything except for when I was going in there to hunt. And I think for, you know, granted, I didn't, I didn't have the success that I was after, but you know, in years past before I had a cell cam, I would go in there and I would move cameras and I would pull SD cards and I would just be really careful with my scent and I would spray my boots down and I would wear, you know, rubber boots in there and I would, uh, you know, just be careful with what I touched and made sure not to brush up against anything. I saw the same, if not more deer than, than I did this past season. Right. I think where it gets hairy is how quickly that photo is being sent to the user. Now, had I, I mean, I'll, I'll rewind to last weekend, actually, when I was on that antlerless hunt, shot a deer, hit it just a little bit low through the, kind of through the brisket, um, you know, like low ribs, all that still like, you know, a lethal hit, but it wasn't, I, I, I bumped him too. And so, uh, you know, I'll just say it instead of dancing around it. I accidentally shot a nubbin buck. I did, um, <laughs> thought she was a doe. It happens. Um, it was, you know, that it was that deer broadside being shoved around by a buck that was larger, like a one and a half year old, maybe a two year old buck. Um, so I was like, okay, it's gotta be two does right there. turns out it was a nub and the doe was actually behind the nub, but the nub was standing there broadside. Well, and so it was, was like, it was December. What? When you shot the deer, December, shoot, whatever Sunday was December. It's like ninth or 10th, right? I think it was eighth. It was on a Friday, actually. Oh, okay, so yeah, so December, yeah. December eighth, deer being bumped around by a by a buck. Like, yep. boy, that sure sounds like some second rut activity, right? Like right on time. I think anybody would have could have made the same mistake. I don't think that that's right. You know, quick caveat to that: I have seen more secondary rut activity this year than I think I ever have in previous years. Really? So we'll have to touch on that later. All right. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I shoot this nub, hit him kind of through the brisket, like low ribs, 
Um, thing tears off. I'm like looking for blood, can't find it. I go into like, just start going down and checking the trails that all the deer ran down out of this field edge down into the timber. Um, eventually find it. A deer jumps up about 30 yards from me, takes off like a bat out of hell and kind of wraps around and I'm ready to keep going. You know, I didn't want to push it, uh, but you know, I hadn't found blood yet. And so I was, I was still kind of searching for it. Um, I ended up walking down kind of towards one of my cell cams and like one minute before me, a deer had walked right in front of that cell cam that was being pushed. It was kind of hunched over. And I was like, huh, I wonder if that's it. I ended up just kind of creeping down past the camera, looking down over the hill, seeing this deer, watched it go into some, you know, thick stuff, ended up being the same deer. You know, had right. I gotten that photo, whether or not, I mean, I, I tracked the blood trail anyways, but then I, I soon later after figured out like, oh, that was the same deer it ran right in front of my cell cam. Right. I know that that deer ran down into here. I have like visual confirmation that it's in that thicket, did not leave. Right. Um. So in, in that sense, it was kind of nice. Right. But at the same time, when things get hairy in the sense of like, you know, you're sitting on the, on the couch and then all of a sudden your cell cam blows up and you're like, Oh, gotta go. You throw your gear on, you take off, you know, if you're a private land guy or whatever, you take off out there and, you know, go hunt. Whereas if you had an SD cam, even on public, I mean, you're not getting that real time info or that, you know, just, you know, minutes delayed info, uh, you know, of whether or not your target buck is there or not there. I think, what might happen because we're getting pretty close to like real time, you know, info, right? Oh yeah. Like we're getting pretty darn close. I mean, it's I mean, within... I one minute behind that deer. Yeah. So I don't know. I think circling back to the, you know, what is ethical? What is sporting? Maybe it's like cell cams only send you a batch of photos every Saturday or every Friday night, every seven days, whatever it may be, right. you get your batch for that week. You have, you know, recent Intel right. without going in there and blowing up your, your spot or potentially leaving scent, but you're still not hunting deer that, Oh, I got a camera, you know, I got a picture of it, you know, half an hour ago. Right. I'm going to go in there right now yeah. when maybe you would have hung out with, you know, your family and, watch football or whatever, like whatever it may be. Yeah. And I, I, I think know. a lot of that's going to fall on the individual, right? Like it's going to be up to you not to be a jerk with your cell camera. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, there's a guy down here who this year has posted on Instagram, him shooting two different bucks. He's like, Oh, got it on the cell camera. One of them, he snuck up on and shot it with a rifle. Um, really with a cell camera. Yep. Got the picture snuck in, shot the deer. The other one, he just went to that stand and sat there for like 30 minutes and the deer came back through and he shot the, shot the deer. Got two nice bucks that way. And I'm like, ah, that to me, I, that is not cool. Um, feels a little dirty. Feels a little dirty. Be like, oh, got a cell cam picture. Let me sneak through the, let me sneak through these pine trees and go shoot this thing. I think, you know, whatever, it's, private land or or whatever he's he's got rock in there i understand that when it comes to the public land thing i've been thinking more and more about like just because i'm out here on public land does not mean that i'm consenting to my picture being taken and my whereabouts and actions being tracked by other right. people you know like i <laughs> just because i go out in public does not mean i want everybody knowing where i'm at and i want it going in real time to someone's phone yeah. um but on the other side of the conversation, I do think there's room for cell cameras, trail cameras especially, but cell cameras too, to help us be better hunters and managers of wildlife. Yeah. I think they have the potential to encourage us to hold out a little bit when we know what's on our property, when we know right. what's possible, when we know what's there when we think we have a reasonable chance of taking a nicer animal, we're more likely to pass the younger animals. It's just the reality of it. So 
There's good, there's bad. I don't know where I land on it. I do know I don't like having my picture taken. I do know I don't like seeing one every time I turn around. I do know that if I want that privilege for me, then I have to also want that privilege for everyone else. Mm -hmm. uh, Unless I own the land, in which case, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, I don't know, man. Which then, I mean, say you're a private guy whose land butts up to public and you get a real-time photo of some guy sneaking onto your property. Okay, well, hop on the, you know, in the truck or on the right. phone or whatever, go ripping out there, bust his ass, and, right, you know, say, I've got evidence right here. I know yep. you're back there. No, like, I, I, think on, I think on private, totally different thing. I think for oh, security, totally. you, you got to be able to have them watching your property boundaries. I right. think for watching your herd, especially if you're a deer manager, like there's just yep. no better tool, man. It's just, there's not a lot of better tools out there than, especially yeah. in, you know, when you're, when you're down South in the thicker stuff or in, you're in a big woods setting, if you're in an ag setting, like you're almost better off just glassing in the evenings anyway. <laughs> like it just, right. it is what it is. But if you're, you know, your property, five acres of timber, you know, no ag on, on your property. Right. No. It, it'd be hard to just observe, you know, and, and yeah. go by observations. But if you've got some Especially big, as hilly as it is, too. Right. Yeah, you wouldn't really be able to do it. But if you've got ag on your on your property or big fields on your property, you're probably better off doing that anyway because your trail camera is only going to show you a tiny sliver of a window. Of right, what is and there. that's the other thing is that how many times have I said this year that, you know, I was out hunting and I had – two cell cam photos, but I saw 19 deer. Right. Or I didn't see 19 deer, like 11 deer, whatever it may be. Right. That skirted my camera. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like right. a handful of times for sure. Yeah. Or times that, you know, deer scoot by your camera and doesn't pick it up. Right. I mean, well, they're, they're not doing everything for us, dude, but they're doing enough. You saw what my cameras did this year. They yeah. did almost nothing. Like they were in spots that I thought were going to be on fire. Like you put those cell cameras in there and I was like, dang, this is going to be legit. Right. And dude, I sat 75 yards from one of those cameras one morning, had a heck of a hunt, had three bucks come through that morning, uh, that I, two of them, I definitely would have shot. Um, a third one was 75 yards from me and well, it did walk in front of that camera, but that was like, the only good buck that I got on that camera saw a bunch of does like had a really great hunt. And if I was just going off of that camera to tell me what's going on in the area, I wouldn't have hunted it. Right. I wouldn't have hunted that spot. I would have left it alone. I would have said there's nothing going on in there. Um, but guys, listen, we're going to con- Pierce and I are going to con- continue some conversation going on here about a couple of other things. But I've got a question for the listener that I would like to pose to them if we do something like this in the future or if we decide, you know what, let's get folks on here and interview them about these specific topics. I think that would be cool to get listener yeah. perspective. Like what are what are listeners of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, what are they thinking about some of these topics? Um, and then two of the big questions that I think are underneath all of this, right, that are, that are way deep down at the core of the conversation – the rest of it is just a symptom, like crossbow versus vertical bow. That's just a symptom. Uh, cell cam versus no cell cam. That's just a symptom of the deeper questions that I think we need to begin to answer. Number one, when it comes to ethics and what is sportsmanlike, what is the balance? What is the correct balance between ethical and sportsmanlike? or sporting and how does one inform the other? I think we got to figure that out. Uh, and then number two, who gets to decide that to me is the big, uh, you know, another big one, like who gets to make right. that choice, who gets to make that decision, who gets to make that call. So if you have thoughts, blow Pierce up on Instagram at the Wisconsin sportsman pod, correct? Yes, sir. So yeah, I think, I think I'm going to pose some of these questions just on our story and just, as folks see him here uh, next week or this week, as you're listening to this, go check us out on Instagram. Shoot some feedback our way. Yeah. Because this is a, I mean, I, as we were prepping for this episode, I was like, man, there's so many people who I would love to just like have on for 10 minutes to like, see if they would 
to just hear their input on it. You right. know what I mean? Right. And just hear the conversation, stuff like that. I mean, it can be like, if there's another ethical conversation that you guys think needs to be had, like if it's something like fishing for spawning fish or, you know, Ooh. the Great Lakes thing or whatever, that kind of got this whole snowball rolling. I mean, send them over. Yeah. Absolutely. I dig it. I dig it. We'll continue to explore it. We'll have some folks on that can uh, maybe help us down the road a little bit. I've got an idea. <laughs> I don't know where he'd fall, but Mr. Rosenberger Ooh, could be a good yeah. one for a you know, conversation. He was, the first, like he was on my list as well. Yeah. Like, if you think about it, he could be a good one because I feel like he might surprise us yeah. in some ways. I feel like there's some ways that we'd be like, oh, yeah, expected that. And then there's other ways that we'd be like, what? You would do what? You know, right? Uh, just because of his, his years working with the public, like firsthand yeah. working with the public for the DNR. So, right. Uh, that's another episode. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to that one as well with uh, Mr. Rosenberger. That was a, a great one. So, all right, Pierce, we're going to wrap it up here, man. We're right at an hour, folks. Thank you so much for listening this week, and uh, catch us next week when we're talking about some other other good stuff. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. While you're at it, if you could leave me a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. You can also follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at the Wisconsin Sportsman or at How to Hunt Deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics, guests, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show. And if you're looking for more great outdoor content, check out the sportsmansempire.com where you'll find my other podcast, the How to Hunt Deer podcast, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts. And until next time, make sure you make the time to get outside and enjoy the incredible natural resources that are ours as Wisconsin sportsmen.